Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We're so excited that you're here at the Calling Community Church. We have a special treat for you today. I, I dressed up extra nice just so that I can introduce my friend to you. But before I do that, I want to let you know if you are a first through fifth grader, we love you. You're special, first through fifth grader. We have a time of teaching and just, just for you. So Dawn is in the back. She's back there. I see her. I think I see her. Yeah, there's her hand. So first through fifth grade, go ahead and go to the aisle and go on up to the back. Don't be afraid. Even if this is your first time, I guarantee you, you'll have a lot more fun in there than you will because Justin's kind of boring and you really want to be in here with him. Let's go on. <laughs> All right. So first through fifth grade. Thank you. So this morning we have the opportunity in our series that we're going through out of Matthew chapter 25 where Jesus says, whatever you've done to the least of these you've done unto me, we've looked at those who were hungry and thirsty and those who needed a place to stay, those who needed clothes. And today we're going to be looking at those who are sick and you cared for me. And when we do these things for those around us, the least of these, Jesus says you've done it to me. And so as I was thinking about this series and thinking about all the different people in my life, I, I thought about Justin because Justin cares for the sick. Justin is a firefighter, and in his vocation, he cares for those in need. And Justin was up most of the night caring for those in need. So we're going to need to cheer him on. We're going to need to encourage him because uh, he's only got like three hours of sleep, he said. All right? His hair all, he's all, is all messed up. I mean, he's, but he's going to do a great job. So everybody just welcome Justin Tyler. Well, thank you for that, and um, good game. Good yeah, game. thank you. So, I'll t yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I was feeling a bit overwhelmed this morning, um, and I'm not looking for any pity, but yes, we were up quite a bit last night. We had some storms roll through Johnson County, and um, the lightning was unbelievable. It was beautiful, but it caused a lot of damage, so <clears throat> prayers for those who were affected by that. Luckily, nobody that I know was injured or, or, um, or uh, anything worse, so... Um, but yeah, and then also I'm overwhelmed this morning because this is such a great responsibility to come up here and, uh, and I was going to try not to get emotional, but I, it happens. So, um, it's a great responsibility to come up here and, and just preach God's word. So I thank you for that. Thank you for the, the, uh, the great responsibility. So I want to, I want to start with this. I want to start with Paul's greeting that he greets so often uh, through the Bible, and I want to start this with you guys. So, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so, yeah, as, as Pastor Brady said, we're continuing the, the sermon series um, from Matthew 25. And he asked me to speak today about caring for the sick because that's what I do as a vocation. That's what I try to do on my, in my personal time. And um, so I, I met with Pastor Brady um, Friday just to catch up, and, and um, he, he was giving me some advice. And one of his uh, pieces of advice was try to limit the word um. <laughs> so have some grace on me on that. Don't count my words, and I'll try to limit them. So, I'm going to start my time here because I'm going to make sure that I don't keep you guys too long or, or too short. <clears throat> so, yeah, as Pastor Brady mentioned, I'm a, my vocation is I'm a firefighter and paramedic. 
I started here in town, um, I don't know, it's been 15 years ago. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. Uh, but I started as a volunteer firefighter here in town, um, and I was led to that uh, from my, I don't know why I get so emotional, from my twin brother. And uh, he was, uh, and he still is, he's a, he's a firefighter, and, and I just really respected for everything that he was doing, and, and uh, had this calling to uh, want to do more and help people and just really have an impact on their lives. So he suggested I go down here and volunteer at the fire department, see if I like it, see if I want to make a career of it. And I did. It was like a perfect fit. So while I was volunteering, I got a job up here at Northland Regional Ambulance District as an EMT. I did that for six months while I was trying to get on a full-time fire department. And I got hired on at, at Lenexa, uh, the city of Lenexa, Kansas Fire Department, on March 1, 2004. Now, I'll be honest with you. I thought my job was going to be like backdraft or, or ladder 49. And sometimes it is. Last night it was. Um, it was. It was fun. But what stinks about the job, the excitement or the... Well, what we call fun, or the excitement, or the, the adrenaline rush that we get, is that people are suffering, you know. Um, and it's kind of a, it's, it's a weird thought, um, but I think it's a mindset that, that we need to be able to cope with, with, what, with what we see and with what we, what, with what we deal with. Um, but it, it's fun. It's fun helping people. Like, it, it's, it's fulfilling, it's all, it's all, it can be hard, too, though. Um, I said, um. So, but my job isn't all about fighting fires. We wear multiple hats. So I'm a firefighter. I'm a paramedic. I drive the front end of our tiller truck, which is awesome. It's the coolest job on the fire department. I'm lucky to do it. As a driver, I take care of my crew, make sure they're getting water when they're inside fighting fire. When they come out, I take care of them, make sure that they're, uh, they got enough, got enough air so they can get going again, make sure they, they're staying hydrated. I'm caring for them. I'm also a fire inspector. I kind of do that on my side. All firefighters have side jobs. So that's what I do on my side. But what I recognized early into my career is that the fire service isn't all about fighting fires. We, the majority of what we do is, is, is we run emergency medical calls. So I was an EMT at the time, and I, and I saw this. I recognized that, that I needed to learn more in, in order to be more prepared to help people with their medical needs. So I went to paramedic school. Now, over the 10 years I've been a paramedic, I've learned a lot and I've seen a lot. I've always tried to be kind and understanding, but sometimes it's hard to do. There's times when we, uh, we're, we're headed back to the station after a call, and we're thinking, man, why did they call 911? Like, was that really an emergency? 
But then I'm reminded about when I first got on the job. I, I worked with a guy, his name is Bill Witten, he's retired now. And man, that guy, he had so much wisdom to share. And so I'm often reminded when, when we're, we're doubting why we're, why we're helping people or why we're being called for these, these non-emergencies. And he, says, he, he used to say, you've got to remember, it's not, it's not our emergency, it's their emergency. And, and that we're called there to make their day better. Now that's the selfless attitude that we all need to model. No matter, what profession, no, no matter what profession that we're in. It's just as Jesus did when he walked this earth. When he ultimately gave his earthly life on the cross and then raised three days later to save us. That's the selfless acts that we need to, that we need to do. So my career, it, it is, it, it's honorable and it's a calling that I'm proud of. God provides for my family. He provides for my family through my career. Sorry. He provides healing through my career. And he gives me opportunity to practice caring for the sick. So here's my hope this morning, okay? My hope is that throughout this message, you will think of instances in your lives where you can take action and care for the sick. All right, so let's get started. So I like definitions. I think it brings a sense of order. So I looked up the definition of sickness. Like sickness, it's like a, it's like a, it's a common word, right? It's, it's a common word we use. But I, so I just wanted to define what sickness is. So sickness is defined as being affected by physical or mental illness. All right, so they used illness to define sickness. It's the same thing, right? So I looked up illness. Illness is defined as an unhealthy condition of body or mind. Now, I'm not going to get too wrapped up in, in teaching medical jargon, but I do want to hit some spots here, okay? So the human body, it, it's an amazingly beautiful, complex system. It's created to protect itself. However, there are times where an outside source is needed to promote healing. All right, so that's when we, that's when we get involved as, as paramedics. So there's signs and symptoms that, that are generally so associated with the body's response in trying to protect itself. So for instance, a person gets a stomach bug, they get nauseated, they vomit, all right? They're vomiting because they're trying to get rid of the stomach virus. Now sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. So for, le for the elderly or for others that are compromised by pre-existing health conditions, it can be a bad thing, it can make, it, make things worse. And it can eventually cause death. So in emotional and mental illness, the, the body can, can cope by causing the mind to go into a state of depression. But that can also be harmful, which can eventually lead a person to total seclusion. It can lead them to drug or alcohol abuse. And it could eventually lead them to 
suicidal thoughts or tendencies. So as I mentioned, the body is made to protect itself. But in order to promote healing, we eventually must rely on an outside source, medicine, prayer, and ultimately God's will. Now recent, so recently my uh, Uncle Ronnie, he died from cancer. He lost the battle. He didn't lose anything. What he gained was a perfect, painless life because he, he, knows, he knew Jesus and now he's with Jesus. So at my uncle's uh, funeral, Pastor Reeser from uh, St. John's Lutheran, he officiated it. So one thing that stuck with me during his message that day was he said, death is unnatural. I thought, man, that is, what does he mean by death is unnatural? Because like, it seems so natural to us because we die, right? So in, in order for there to be death, there's got to be sickness. So then sickness is unnatural. But what he explained about death being unnatural is that God created us to live an everlasting life. But it wasn't until the original sin that created death. So what are we to do with sickness? Do we just allow sickness to overtake us? No. Kids, what do you do when you get sick? You look for mom and dad to help you, right? They care for you. They bring you saltine crackers and Sprite, chicken noodle soup, stuff to make you feel better. Men, what do you do when you get sick? You, you man up and you go about life, right? No. <laughs> Ladies, what do men do when they get sick? Like the man flu hits and the whole world is over, right? Ladies, what do you do when you get sick? Now, as men, we try to care for you. We try to care for you, but then we got to care for the kids, and then the house gets a mess, and the world literally stops, right, when ladies get sick, because we, we try. As men, we try. So we're, we're called to care for the sick in our homes, right, 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 in, right inside our walls, so let's check out Luke 5, verses 17 through 26. So one day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all, all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jer Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles, and they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. 
Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this? I'm sorry, I skipped 21. All right, so, so Jesus said to the young man, to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to, the Sims, said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. So, of course, Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man was, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home, praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. So not, all, not only are we called to care for our direct family members within our walls, but we are to go outside of the walls of our house, even through the roof, and care for our friends, our, our church members, our church family, our community members. The story of the paralyzed man, it's, it's, it's an easy story just to read and uh, not really give it a whole lot of thought, but, but picture this. These men carried a paralyzed man to Jesus. They couldn't physically get to him, so they took him onto a roof and lowered him down. I mean, that is incredible. So like, in the fire, in the, in the fire service, we practice a lot of rescue techniques. We use a lot of ropes for this. And my mind goes to this, because we've practiced this. I mean, we don't the not exact story, but we've practiced lowering guys, men, into holes and roofs in case we ever need to do any sort of rescue or, or, or getting people from, you know, inside <laughs> and out. And it's, it's not an easy process. I mean, my mind goes to all these rope, rope systems and... and um, and um, all these knots that we that we use, and and just the safety stuff that 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 goes in in into this, and like it, it really is, just the extent that these guys went to get their friend to Jesus is is, it's incredible to me. How convicted are you? Do you ever receive conviction to help others? Do you ever receive conviction to help others and then think, ah, I have nothing to offer? That is such a lie. It's a lie that's whispered from our enemy, Satan. And he wants you to believe that you have nothing to offer. So untrue. I was told long ago, not too long ago, that conviction without action fades quickly. So think about that. Conviction without action fades quickly. You think about these friends that, that carry their paralyzed man to Jesus. You think when they, when they weren't able to, to get inside because of the crowd, 
What if they just said, well, we tried? But they didn't give up, right? Their conviction kept them moving forward to the point to where their friend was healed. I mean, that, that, that is some motivation for us. Jesus said in John 14, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with my Father. He said, he said we can do, we're going to do greater works than Jesus. I mean, that, that blows my mind. He also he went on to say, you can, ask me for, you can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Psalms 34, 4 through 5 says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my sins. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. So there you go. When Satan lies to us and says that we don't have anything to offer or we aren't worthy to visit somebody who's sick because that's the pastor's job. Recognize it as a lie and ask for guidance in Jesus' name. He told us that we'll do greater things than than what he had done. And that when we look to him, we will be radiant joy. I mean, picture that, radiant joy. I mean, that is, those words, it's it's just beautiful to me. Like, just this, this aura of joy. I mean, I hope that speaks deeply to you. All right, so on the flip side, if we turn away from conviction, if we turn away from that nudge that God's directing us towards, then in essence we're working against him. Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 30, Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. That freaks me out. You know, I know I've left plenty of opportunities on the table where I could have served in his honor, where somebody may have been blessed because I was afraid of rejection or that it would be weird. And to think that in those times, I was actually teaming up with Satan, which Satan totally delights in. Now, in order to oppose Satan, we're called to be God's ambassadors. All right, so let's look at what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 through 21. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we committing ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it, sen- if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. 
Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I love verse 13. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. So what I get from from this passage is that, as ambassadors, we're to be crazy. (laughs) And we're called to reconcile others back to God through Jesus. All right, so here's another definition. To reconcile means to restore friendly relations. So what does that look like? So I was on my way to work um, one day last week, and, and I was listening to Bot Radio Network. Ernie Johnson Jr. was uh, sharing his testimony on the radio. I don't know if some of you know who he is, but um, he's a pretty well-known sportscaster, um, on TNT. And so I'll, I'll try to summarize his, his story. But he was saying that he was, bu- he was living a pretty busy life back in the mid-90s. I think it was right towards the beginning of his, his career. He was pretty wrapped up in trying to uh, make a name for himself in his profession. And... Uh, and he was pretty wrapped up in the benefits of those. Had a nice house, nice cars. But his kids came to him one day and, and asked him and his wife, said, why don't we go to church? Some of, their, some of their friends were talking about going to church, and they were curious why they didn't go to church. Now, Ernie, he was raised Catholic, so he knew about Jesus, but he didn't have a relationship with Jesus at that time. So they thought they'd go check out this church that they, that they had passed every day for the past few years since they had lived in the area that they were living in. So they found this church, they got plugged in, and they began to be discipled through one of the pastors there. His name was Kevin. Ernie began to understand what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. So everything was going great with Ernie until he found out that he had cancer. And this is Ernie's words. He said, I was so mad I wanted to punch God in the nose. 
That, to me, is not a friendly relation. So after he found out that he had cancer, he went to go meet with his friend and pastor, Kevin, to talk about it. And so these are, these are Ernie's words. So now Kevin and I were sitting in a local Starbucks. That sounds like a pastor I know. Talking about how having a doctor speaking one particular C word can, be, can pretty much knock your world off its axis. And, and he was asking if it was okay that, <clears throat> that he wanted to punch God right in the nose. Let me get back into Ernie's words. So he said, we began to unpack what, what I said I believed. Was this diagnosis going to shake my faith to its core? Or was my faith going to carry me through this trial? Did I truly believe what the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans that in all things God works for the good of those who believe. In times like this, you have a couple of thoughts, Kevin told him. You can turn on God, or you can turn to God. Kevin pulled a pen from his pocket, grabbed a Starbucks napkin, and wrote down one word. EJ, this whole thing is about this. He showed him the napkin and said, trust is it going to be trust with a question mark? Or is it going to be, I'll trust God if, he, if the next test comes back the way I want it to? Or is it going to be trust, period? You trusted him with your life six years ago. It's easy to trust him when things are going great and you're being blessed with good things left and right. How does that trust feel now? While you're looking up from this valley that you've never been in. That's why to this day, whenever Ernie sends an email, he puts at the bottom, trust God, period. Now Ernie's healed, and he's got this testimony now, he's going around and he's telling people about this, and he's telling, telling people about God and what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus. He tells them three words, trust God, period. This went from a man that wanted to punch God in the nose. But Kevin came into his life. He cared for him. He was sick. He cared for him. He reconciled him back to God. He said, come back to God. That's reconciliation. It's a story of how we, as Christ's followers, are to speak truth into those who are sick. You see, sickness can cause a separation between us and God, just like Ernie wanted to punch God in the nose. Any type of sickness, physical, mental, emotional, it can all lead to spiritual sickness. And on the flip side, spiritual sickness can lead to physical, mental, and emotional sickness. When a person is spiritually ill, they're out of balance, one way or the other. And it's not until our, our relationship with God, our Father, is completed through Jesus that brings that scale back to, to level. Pastor Brady talked about the, the Samaritan woman at the well a couple weeks ago. And I felt that, that the story also related 
to what we're talking about today. So in John 4, the Samaritan woman, she's at the well and she's visiting with Jesus and, and Jesus is talking with her and he, he calls her out for having had several relations with men. Now I assume that she was emotionally sick, that she was seeking some acceptance through those relationships when the only acceptance that she needed was through Jesus. We were on vacation a couple months ago in, in June, and, and um, we were down in Panama City Beach, <clears throat> and we were eating in this, uh, this establishment, and this place touted that they had the best burgers on the beach, so we thought we'd go check it out. And I think they were pretty close. I mean, they, they had good burgers, right? They are juicy, had good flavor. We ordered some Cajun fries. So, all right, so the stage is set here, okay, right? So we were here eating, and um, as we were eating, this, the bartender behind us, she was like just spilling her life situation to this customer. And she was talking really loud, so it was hard not to listen. We tried not to, I mean, but it was, it was just like we got involved, like just, just listening to her story. And it's like, man, she was talking about how, how she had just broken up with her boyfriend, so she had to move out from living with him. And, and um, then that affected their whole circle of friends, and it just sounded like a lot of drama. And I told Julie, I was like, man, that girl needs Jesus. And God was practically pushing me towards the bar to talk with her. But instead we ate, we paid our bill, and as we walked out I stiff-armed God and just left. We went back to our condo, it was only a couple blocks away, and we got back and I said, I said Julie, I think we still have some of those, the Gospel of John tracks in, in the van so I went down to look and we had one left and I told her I was like I'm going to go down there and give this to her but before I went down there I went back in the condo and, and uh, wrote her a little note and I'm telling you this because this is not I'm not telling you this to glorify me not at all I'm telling you this to glorify God <clears throat> because, it, because he, was, he was speaking to me so I sat down and I wrote this note to her. I wrote this note to her and I, and I, I just wanted to let her know that we had heard her story and that um, we wanted her to know that her worth is not found in any boy or any circle of friends, but it's found in one man. It's, it's, it's found through this relationship that there's absolutely no strings attached. We just wanted her to know that her worth is, is only found through Jesus. So I told Julie, I was like, hey, I'm going to run this down there to, to, to give to her. And, and I, I think I asked, I asked her to pray that it wouldn't be weird. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So as I was walking down, I, I was getting super nervous, and um, I thought, man, and I, and I did, I asked God, I was like, God, please don't let this be weird, like, don't let it be awkward, 
just speak through me. And uh, just, we just wanted to encourage her. So I walked in, and she was behind the bar, and she, she kind of came walking in my direction. And so I walked up to the bar, and um, I said, hey. And I remembered her name, but I can't remember it now, but it doesn't matter. I said, hey, I want you to know that me and my family were just here, and we were eating, and we could not help but to hear, overhear your story of what was going on. And I just told her, and I handed her the, the Gospel of John and the note, and she thanked me. And I just told her, I was like, just what I told you. You know, your worth is not found in any boy. Your worth is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. She got emotional, and, and uh, I just went on to, just to tell her, you know, we just want to encourage you. You know, you're too young be worrying about that. You're 21 years old, you know, after she told me how old she was. I said, you're 21 years old. you got so much time. But it's, it, it's you got to have a relationship with Jesus. So as I said, she got emotional. She had tears rolling down her face. I shook her hand, and, and I left, and I was thinking, man, she's someone's daughter, And I just thought, I hope that there, that's, you know, if she were my daughter, I'd, I'd hope for someone to, to speak truth and love into her. This girl was emotionally sick. And it's only through speaking love and truth that this emotional sickness hopefully was healed. So in John four thirty four. Jesus said that his nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent him and from finishing God's work. Are you doing his will? According to Matthew 25, he tells us what his will is. I was sick and you cared for me. And in John 4.35, he says, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? We're the harvesters. We must be aware of our surroundings and the people God is nudging us to bless and encourage through love and truth. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth. Now, I've heard this my whole life, and I've never quite understood it or tried to understand it. Until I was talking with a buddy of mine at the fire station this past week, and he was telling me how his grandpa was the most godly man he'd ever met, never been around. He says his grandpa had the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But you can put salt in his. But you can put salt in his oats. You see, we can tell people about this water we call Jesus, but we can't make them follow him. Although we can provide 
this salty love for folks and make them wonder why. Why is Terry the way she is? You know? Why is Tony the way he is? Why is Stephen the way he is? This curiosity will carry these people to, to see what the commonality is in their lives. And the commonality is Jesus. I mean, that's the commonality. And that's what, that's what will lead them to drink this, this everlasting water, right? And this, this, this the everlasting water will heal their souls. It'll quench this, this thirst that they're trying to find. I know he's quenched my thirst, and I know I've looked for things in the past to try to fill this void. So as you go out today and this week, in the months ahead, years ahead, I ask you to be vigilant and purposeful in life. Take time to live in the Spirit as he directs you to places or people that, may, that might just put you out of your comfort zone. Talk with Jesus. Ask him not to make things weird, but to use you as an instrument for his glory. Go and care for the sick. Encourage them, bless them. Bless their families with tasks like providing a meal. Go, go mow their yard. Clean their house. And if they try to push you away, insist in it. Not, I mean, obviously not, not in a forceful, ugly sort of way, but in a way that's out of, out of the love of Jesus. So I ask you just to go. Go and be salty. So, thank you.